Good morning, everyone. Sure. Yeah, I just wanted this morning, just want to thank first all the elders. It gives me this wonderful opportunity and this privilege to be here this morning in front of you guys. And uh, yeah, it's also terrifying. But uh, yeah, we're just going to praise the Lord and trust Him for His guidance this morning. And through His Spirit, He will lead us through this journey. So um, firstly, I think I've been seeing in Josh Chen that uh, normally you have to introduce yourself. So uh, for those who don't know who I am, my name is Eduard Nell. And uh, of course, my wife Nadia Nell is here in front to support me. And I also have a little daughter, Emma, who's eight years old, and she's with the Kitsch Church. And uh, I think it must be terrifying for the wives as well, for the preachers, because this is the moment where they can't say anything. <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's jump into this and see how this is going to go. All right. Okay, so this morning, I want to start off with, um, give me a raise of the hand, who this morning, who believe that they are saved? Ah, that's wonderful. Well, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> Do you know there's a dragon on your tail who wants to kill you, who wants to destroy you? So if you didn't know it, it stands in Revelation 12. The dragon went after the descendants of the woman. He couldn't kill the woman, he couldn't kill the child. And he went after the descendants. In the moment you give your heart to the Lord, and you get dressed in the blood of the Lamb, you step into a battlefield. And the enemy is after you. There's a raging bull waiting for you in the arena. And you're clothed with the red blood of the Lamb. And all it is technically, the bull can't see red, they're colorblind. But what they see is the waving of the flag that, that creates that fight or flight um, response within them. And when you start declaring, I am a child of God, you're waving your flag in front of the face of the bull. And he is going to react. And depending on where you stand with the Lord in this day, in this moment, he's either going to run away from you or he's going to run at you. And trust me, you can't ignore him. He doesn't care whether you give him attention or you try to ignore him. His reaction is going to be what it is. So... I want to start my scripture for this day. Um, Herman, if you can just put up as Hebrew 12 is 4. It says, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. So this morning I'm going to focus on our reaction to sin and the battle towards holiness. So my, my theme for this morning is the war to holiness. So we're in this battle. And the Lord says, if you want to reach the kingdom of heaven, you have to endure, you have to push through. And in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, it says the following. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. It's not just going to happen automatically. Just because we get saved doesn't mean we've made it. We have to push through. We have to battle hard. It's not just going to come easy. And the enemy is not going to make it easy for us. So, I want to focus on three stages of our lives. From the moment you get saved, 
to the moment we obtain the kingdom of heaven. And the first stage we're going to look at is the moment of salvation. That's the first step of holiness. When we get clothed by the holiness of the Lord with His righteousness. And we see the work of the Holy Spirit as our Savior. And then from there we're going to move on with the Holy Spirit's after the work of saving. They're going to start working and cleaning and healing us. Because there's a lot of healing that needs to take place. And once we're ready, we can step into active battle. And there the Lord will be our deliverer. So uh, over the last year, um, it's basically a year ago from this day, where Emma fell ill. So what happened to us over the last year, the Lord has showed me a lot, a resemblance of the walk, a child of God in our journey. So Emma felt ill, she had a lot of fever, and she has been, and we just couldn't find out what's going on. And, um, and eventually they took her into hospital, and they had to do an MRI. And after they did the MRI, the doctor came and they set us down, and he told us, I've got some bad news, and i got some good news. So what would you choose first if someone tells you that? What is our normal reaction when we, someone said good news and bad news? Well, give me the bad news. <laughs> because we've got the hope. If we had the bad news first, then the good news will lift up our spirits after. Maybe we've got some hope that will overcome the bad news. But if we get the good news first, we'll end up lower if we get the bad news thereafter. So, the Lord can just give us the bad news. So, um, can you speak on that first picture for me, please? And this is what he shows us. So there you can see, this is a picture of Emma's brain. And then in the front, you can clearly see the brain abscess that sits there at the frontal lobe. And that's a resemblance of death. And it could only be revealed by an MRI. You can't see it from the outside. You can see symptoms, but you don't know what's wrong. You need the MRI to reflect what's going on inside. And then the good news is we can easily get to that. The physician can cut it out. It's not terminal yet. So, okay, let's do this. So they come in and they cut out, break open the brain, and he cut out the death out of her. That's the first stage. And for me, that's a resemblance of the unsaved. When we were not before saved yet, that's us. That's death within us. When we're not saved, we don't have Jesus, we're slowly busy dying. And we don't know it because it can't be seen. It's hidden in darkness. And it needs the light of Lord Jesus Christ to shine upon it and reveal it to show you the truth. My child, you're busy dying. And you have to make a choice at that point in time. Lord, am I even going to accept you? Am I going to reject you? Remember, there's a, there's a movie... I think most of you probably know this, The Matrix. And uh, in, this, in this movie, you can see this people going around their lives, normal, just living their lives, and think this is the life. This is what we are. This is what it's all about. And then this one guy gets a rude awakening. And so, guy, what you living here? That's not the truth. There's forces at work that you don't know about. Are you willing to see what we want to show you? And when he was willing... They opened his eyes, and he got awake, and he's finding himself in this little cocoon. 
connected to all kinds of wires. And they say, we want to get free, we'll break you free. Pull you loose of all these wires. And when he's get out of that, he just sees this massive amount of cocoons all over the place. And he found out like everybody was is in a cocoon. And they're like batteries for the world of darkness. And the world of darkness is draining them day by day until they die. And it takes a violent reaction of the Lord to step in and take you out of that position. And then from that point forward, that's the first step. And then he gets started to train so that he can start and battle the enemy. Because now that the enemy knows you are awake and you know what's going on, they're coming after you. They want to stop you, want to kill you. You better be ready. <laughs> so, and then comes the second part. And after the operation with Emma, obviously there's a the physical healing that took place. And, um, but she continued to have pain, symptoms. And it just doesn't going to go away. And it's itching, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. And we couldn't find it. And they did taste and taste and taste. And it just doesn't want to go away. And um, eventually what happened was we have to make the decision that if nothing else there, we have to open it up again. Because it seems that the screws and the, the foreign objects was in there originally to help her to heal is starting to cause her problems. And we had to remove it. We have to shed blood. We have to actually stand up and say, let's remove this thing that is creating pain. And for me, that is, that's when the Holy Spirit starts his healing process. The Lord says he's also purifying fire. Once we receive the Holy Spirit, he's starting to work in our lives to push out the things that does not belong there. Darkness and light is at war. They cannot coexist within you. So even though we're saved and clothed in righteousness, we're still not purely holy. We haven't got rid of all our bad habits, all the things of the world that come from our history. We have to deal with these things one by one. And the Holy Spirit reveals it as we live with Him. And He brings it out. And He says, I want to get rid of these things because you cannot become purely holy or understand what I want to do in your life if you keep holding on to these things. They can't come out because the skin, the flesh is holding it inside. The Holy Spirit is pushing out. But we're holding on. And you have to make a decision. I'm not going to stay in this position. I'm going to keep holding on these fleshly things because ah, it's going to be too painful to deal with it. I can't deal with that. I'd rather just keep in this bad cycle of falling down, sinning, forgiving, getting healing, and falling back again in my bad habits. But I need true release. To obtain true victory, you have to cut open. You have to shed blood. You know, in, in Malachi 3, verse 2 and 3, it says the following, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like laundress soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. The Lord wants to purify us. He wants to clean us. It's a painful process. And we have to decide we're going to let him. And the interesting thing in this scripture, if you look at this, the first you're going to go through the purifying process, and then you're going to offer an offer of righteousness. Not before. 
Only once you are purified, you become acceptable completely. So now we're through this process and there's relief. But now the Lord says, this is not the end. I want you to obtain pure holiness. We talk about holiness, we sing about holiness. But why do we think that the angels and the elders in heaven can sing constantly, holy, holy, holy is the Lord? What motivates them? What understanding do they have that we don't have? That's where we need to get. And this is where the real war starts. And to start in that, we have to offer ourselves. We have to offer ourselves body and mind to God. You know, and the thing is, sometimes we think the real problem as Christians, we struggle in our thinking process. You know, Lord, come renew my mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm spirit-filled. I will think righteous. Come, Lord, just, just guide my thoughts. But forget about our bodies. You see this glass of water? Now, can I give you the water without the glass? It's going to be a struggle. I'm going to mess all over the place. All right? God is practical. He says, give me your body, and I will have your mind. First thing you need to do is natural. You have to holy get your body holy. You must offer your body as a living sacrifice. In Romans 12 verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And this is your reasonable your reasonable service. It's not your exceptional service. It's not your special service. It's your reasonable service. That's the minimum. That's the bottom line. That's where you have to start. Your body has to be holy. Why do you need your body be holy? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you. Whom you have from God. And you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We have to come to the point where we say, Lord, this is not mine anymore. It's not my decision where I go. It's not my decision what I wear. It's not my decision what I'm saying, what I'm eating, what I'm drinking. It's yours. And only when I get to that position, only when God have your vessel, you will renew your mind from within. We cannot renew our minds from outside. Religion can't renew our minds. Only God can do that. But He can only do that if you give up to Him. Will you allow Him to do that? So how do we do that? How do we give our bodies? How do we control this flesh that is so strong in this world still that is controlling our thinking, our ways, and get getting this constant bombarding from outside of how we have to live and what we need to do, what is acceptable in the eyes of the world. How do we overcome? Well, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. It's a process of discipline. It doesn't come with it. God will work, but we have to work next to Him. We're still in this flesh. This flesh is still fighting day in, day out to have its say in our lives. 
We have to discipline. We have to subject it. It's not going to happen automatically. It's a battle. And this battle is going to be day in and day out. You cannot rest. Because trust me, the devil doesn't rest. He doesn't sleep. So how do we get this discipline? Well, the Lord says, humble yourself in prayer and fasting. In Matthew 17, 21, what happened here is Jesus with his disciples, he sent them out. They went and preached the gospel. They delivered people of demons. They healed the sick. And they get to this one guy and they just pray and they just couldn't get this demon to come out. And they come to Jesus and he commanded and he went out. They said, Lord, why couldn't we get this demon to get out? Why didn't we have the authority? What happened here? And Jesus said to them, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. You have to understand, we're dealing with different powers out there. And different, in different ranks of power, ability. Just like we in normal army. If you put soldiers, you'll, you know, the longer you train, the better you get. There's stronger demons, there's weaker demons. And sometimes some of them are very strong. They're just not going to come out because you don't have that authority yet. And we have to submit ourselves to prayer and fasting. And that's with our bodies. Sometimes things in our lives are still very strong. We haven't got the victory over that yet. So we need to discipline. We need to humble. We need to pray and fast to overcome that moment. You know, in 2 Chronicles 7.14, I haven't put it there more, um, Herman. Um, it's just a very well-known scripture. says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven. I will lean, heal the land. I will give their sins. So when we start to understand fasting as an expression of humble dependence upon God, then we exert significant force in spiritual warfare, which will lead to the fulfillment of the purposes of God. So once we got our body submitted, We've now been through boot camp. You've been broken down. The Holy Spirit has purified you. You are nothing now. You're dead. And what they do in the army is they break you down first. And then they got rid of all the nonsense in your life. They will start building you up again. Then they will start to train you specifically for what task you have to do. Whether you're going to focus on weapons or engineer or whatever it is. The army wants to use you and they're going to train you up specifically for that purpose. And the same in the spirit. Now the Lord will train you up for the purpose and the calling that he has for you. And this is where the real battle starts. The mind. In Romans 12 verse 2 it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what it is that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you see, you cannot understand, you cannot comprehend what God's will is or that it is good, that it's acceptable, that it is perfect, unless your mind is renewed. If you've still got your old carnal mind, you can't accept it. Because your old mind is at war with God. You have to give it over. In order to fight this battle, you have to get to know your weapon. God says, I'm giving you powerful weapons to cast on strongholds. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God and pulling down strongholds. It's powerful weapons. In Revelation 12, 11, how did they overcome the dragon? You remember the dragon in the beginning? That's after you? How did we overcome him? They overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. And then there's a third level. And sometimes we forget about that one. Sometimes we don't preach about it because it's not nice. It's difficult. They don't love their lives till death. My friends, have you stopped loving your life to death? Have you, have you died to your desires, to your body, to your mind, your friends, your family, your crutches? I want to show you a little clip. Um, we as Christians sometimes, we get saved. We know we are in the winning army. Jesus Christ has overcome. He has won. So we know we're fighting victoriously. But sometimes we think just because we're part of it that we have obtained the victory ourselves. We haven't. Do you know your weapon? Will you play this little clip for me, Herman? <laughs> Isn't it us? Huh? <laughs> you come face to face with the enemy. You've got this powerful weapon. Yes. This dragon can kill, man. He can go right through him. And we swing it around. Ah, the blood of a lamb. In the name of Jesus. Do you have the authority? Do you know what you're doing? Or are you just a big show? You know, there was the seven brothers in the New Testament. They went out and chasing demons. And they come to this one guy. And he had a strong demon. And he said, in the name of Paul, and in the name of Jesus, you must go out. Oh, I know of Paul. I know of Jesus. But who are you? The demon recognized his authority, that they didn't have the authority. Their minds was not renewed. They didn't have obtained the pure holiness and the power of God in their lives. But they want to wield these weapons. And he knew they don't know how to wield the weapons. And what happened is he sprang on them, tore their clothes off. They were bleeding. And they were fleeing in humiliation. Sometimes when we're not ready, and we step into something that we're not ready for, we will step out humiliated and bleeding. Are you ready? Are you trained up? You know, there was a man called Achan. He didn't have his mind renewed. He didn't understand the holiness of God, his purposes. And when Israel destroyed Jericho, God told them, you're not allowed to take any of these things from the city. They are cursed. They are abomination in my eyes. What did Achan do? Ah, it can't be that serious. I can have this Buddha in my house. I can take that. Things beautiful can do nothing. Surely God is not going to just be so serious about this. This thing can do me nothing. I'm going to take it. I like it. It's beautiful. And what happened? The whole of Israel. The whole of Israel. Even though they were fighting the wars of God himself on his order, they had to flee before the enemies because God didn't pull out with them. 
because there was accursed things in their midst. My friends, I'm telling you today, if you have an accursed thing in your midst, in your heart, in your mind, it's not from God. It's not necessarily the accursed thing that's going to be the problem. It's the holiness of God that's going to be your problem. It's going to be the purpose of God that's going to be your problem. And if you don't understand that, don't have your mind renewed, you can't understand what God's holiness is. It's not about how we see things. It's about God sees things. And God doesn't change. And he lost his life as well. And his family and sometimes people. What we do, what we say and how we think in, in our lives don't just affect our lives. It can also affect the lives of the body around us. When we bring a curse in our midst, we open the door, not sometimes for the enemy, but for God himself to destroy us because his fury, his holiness does not he doesn't select. And when we get to the, but when we get to that point where we are grown and are trained up and get to understand, have our mind renewed as the Holy Spirit renews our minds from a daily, continuously, and we stay in this humble place, we can eventually get to the place where the psalm writer says in 101 verse 3 to 4, he says there, I will say nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. I shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no wickedness. Yes, a zealousness in the scripture, my friends. This is not just the saying. This guy has a purity of heart. I'm going to fight this everything with everything I've got. I will shed blood for this. I'm willing to die for this. I will not allow it even to come close to me. When the enemy comes and plants a seed in your heart, in your minds, to think wrong things, what is our reaction? Do we linger on it? Do we think about it? Or do we act vehemently against it immediately? You see, when you get to that point in time where your mind is renewed, and your heart is right, you will understand God. And that understanding and that holiness will push you into action. You will not think twice. It's like automatic. It will be like Pinehas, the grandson of Aaron. When the Israelites brought the foreign wives into the midst, who is taking the people's hearts away from God, there was a plague in their midst. God's holiness came over them. And he starts killing left, right, and center. It doesn't matter who they are. Because there's an there's a unholiness within God's presence. And no other knows can get into God's presence. And when this man, that Israelite, come and he brought his foreign wife in the congregation of God, Pinias immediately rose up his spear and he killed him. He shed blood. You know what happened? The plague stopped. God's fury come to rest. And the Lord says, I'll give him my covenant of peace. He will be a priesthood forever. That's the blessing of being obedient acting zealously in zeal towards God's purposes and to his plan and his holiness. Nehemiah, another man with action of zeal for God's holiness, when he was building Jerusalem, he didn't allow anything unholy to come into the midst. He grabbed people by the beard. He hit them with the fist. Why are you bringing this into the presence of God? Out with you. Don't sell in, in, on the Sabbath day. It's not allowed. Out of the of the city. 
And when they were outside the city, he chased them away even further. I don't want to see you outside the city on this day. Are you chasing away the wickedness before your eyes that you can't even see it anymore? And then, of course, we have Jesus, God himself. He had a zeal for his house. Friends, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit have a zeal for his house. He wants it to be holy. He wants to use it for his purposes. And when we bring in things there that is unholy, his zeal will explode. Jesus made a whip. And with violence, he cleaned the temple. Are we violent yet for God's purposes? So what is holiness? How do we get holiness? Well, I would say if we get holiness, we have to overcome our flesh by having zero tolerance for sin. So as I land this, we have to understand our transformation into holiness doesn't happen overnight. Our regeneration is instantaneous. It happens immediately. But to transform into that pure holiness of God, that's a continuous process. You have to endure. You have to see it through. But the good news is, as we, as we grow and continue on in holiness, you will gradually notice that your thought life will be transformed from a Christlessness to a Christ-likeness. We have to endure. We have to fight. Paul said, I have fight the good fight. I have endured. I finished this race. It's not about winning. It's about finishing. And we are on that battlefield. And if you want to press into the kingdom of heaven, you have to fight for it. You have to take it by violence. And you have to go through this minefield of enemies that want to stop you from reaching your goal. Hebrews 12 is one and two. I want to land in this scripture. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which is so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Have you thrown off every weight yet? Have you endured? Remember, a mind that is dedicated to holiness and God's truth will stand the test of time. So we might think, oh, this is hard. Eh? This is difficult. You're asking too much of me now. No, it's not. It's good news. <laughs> Christ says, all things are possible. All things are possible through me. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He didn't ask you to go into something alone. He's with you. He wants you to grow. He wants you to learn to endure, but he will strengthen you. There's hope. He did provide the victory. We are fighting in the winning army. But are we reaching the end with him? Or are we a casualty along the way? That's a decision we have to make. But we can fight victoriously without hope. Because we have hope. There's, there's a chance. His promises is for sure.
So this morning, I'd, if there's anybody here this morning that has felt the moment of the moment that Christ's light is shining upon you, but like Paul when he walked out, he was thinking he was doing right. And the light of God shines upon him. And he revealed the darkness within him. You're dying, my son. Turn around. Follow me. Because I have everlasting life. If the light of the Lord is shining in your heart this morning, and you see the truth that you've never seen before, don't let this moment go you by. Someone having given their life to the Lord, you haven't stepped up in his victory. In his battle. If you don't want to stop being a battery for the world of darkness, you want to be free. This is the time to give over to the Lord. Let him do his work in your heart. Does anybody here? Just raise your hand. Or if you are someone standing in that stage where you in a cycle of continuous you don't break through. I can't overcome all these things in my mind and my heart. I keep on falling back on the old ways. I'm holding on to the crutches. The Lord says, I want to get rid of these crutches. You have to leave it alive. Sometimes people become crutches in our lives. They might be part of the healing process that brought us through. But there comes a time when you have to release it. And trust in the Lord. The copper snake was a healing process for the children of Israel. But then it became abomination because they didn't want to release it. So are you willing to cut open, endure the pain for a short while so that God can give you absolute victory over these things and you can move on into better and greater things in God? If that's you, come and speak to the elders. There's people here that can help. God has raised up saints and equipped them for that specific ministry. Don't try and do it yourself. I mean, if you can imagine if I'm trying to cut up my head here, trying to get all these things, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> yeah. Don't hold back. Come forward. The Lord is waiting. He wants to take you further. Amen.